Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast, sponsored by WebSpy. It's March 24, 2010, and this is episode 235. On March 19th, Canon released the updated version of their famed workhorse, the EF7200 F2.8L IS USM lens. It's now in its second version, and I spent uh, my long weekend, Saturday, Sunday and Monday, taking this lens through its paces, and today I'm going to share my findings. Before we jump into that, I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors, WebSpy, the Internet Monitoring, Analysis and Reporting Specialists. And again from this week, it would be great if I could ask you to tweet the message, thanks to at WebSpy for sponsoring the at Martin Bailey Photography Podcast on Twitter to show your support. To find out more about WebSpy and their products, go to webspy.com slash mbp and use the discount code MBPWSY for a 10% discount on anything that you buy. I've been waiting for this update to the 70-200mm f2.8 L lens for over two years. It has been, or it was, my workhorse lens since I bought my version one copy in 2006 and I was very happy with my results from it when I was using it with my 5D uh, as my main camera. As soon as I upgraded to the 1DS Mark III and then also um, you know say almost a year later started shooting with the 5D Mark II as well it became pretty obvious that this camera was not resolving images quite enough to produce uh, sharp shots when used wide open at f2.8 on these 21 megapixel cameras. To compound the problem, at about the same time I bought the, uh, you know, the same time that I bought the 1DS Mark III, I also bought the 300mm f2.8 L lens, and that's as sharp as tacks. And, you know, even when used wide open, it's just so sharp. This is not an apples to apples comparison of course, as it's rare that a zoom lens will be as sharp as a prime lens, and the 300mm f2.8 is an exceptionally sharp prime lens. Still though, the timing of the purchase certainly affected how I felt about my old 70-200mm, and I found myself reaching um, for, for this lens less and less over the two years or so that followed. Although I would usually part exchange my old lens when I buy a new one like this, I decided to keep my old 70-200 until I'd run some tests. So that's exactly what I've been doing for the, uh, the three-day weekend that we just had here in Japan. I thought it would be great if I could not only review the new version, but also really wanted to compare it to the old one to see if there really was a difference. This will also help those of you that currently own a 70-200mm f2.8 IS lens and want to know if it's worth upgrading or not. The definitive answer of course is, it depends. What I will say at this point though is if you're already uh, happy with the results that you're getting with your current lens then don't sweat it. There's no need to upgrade if you're getting the results you want. The following review, though, um, is really going to give you the information 
um, that you'll need and some additional information, hopefully, that um, will help you to make a comparison and weigh up the benefits against the cost if you are thinking about the upgrade. Also note that although I'll be illustrating today's episode with images from my tests, only a few of them will be in my online gallery and therefore if you look at this, um, if you, you know, if you listen to this podcast um, from the podcasts page, then you won't have thumbnails for every image. Um, to see all of the images, including some animated GIF files that I have um, prepared, you'll need to check out the blog post at blog.martinbaileyphotography.com and I'll also link to that in the show notes. So let's take a look at what's in the box. I will include some of these images in the Enhanced Podcast as well, by the way. So if you listen in iTunes or on your iPhone, you can see them there. Um, but just once again, the blog is probably the best case to view these, um, especially when we get into some of the 100% crops, because the images that are inside the Enhanced Podcast are pretty small. So the lens comes with a nice strong case, not the usual grey pouches that um, most lenses come with, which is nice for when you just want to sort of throw it over your shoulder for more casual shooting about town, for example. One word of advice about the case, though, is attach an old camera strap that's, uh, you know, you know, one that you've maybe bought a new camera, a new strap for your camera or something, and just don't use the centimetre-wide black strap that comes with the lens, as that thing will cut your arm off from the shoulder if you walk around with it all day. You'll also find the usual lens cap, uh, rear dust cap, of course, instructions manual, warranty card, and a nice newly designed lens hood, as well as the lens itself, of course. The box itself is considerably bigger than the original 70-200 box, as you can see in the image that I also put on the blog. As I said, though, the lens hood design has been changed, and there's now a little button that you have to press before you can turn the lens to take it off the lens itself, uh, both when it's attached backwards for storage or attached in the normal shooting position. Uh, this is actually a great improvement in my opinion. I found that the old lens hood turned too easily, especially after a little wear, so it could either drop off or turn slightly when while you're shooting, and because of the shape of the hood, it, if it turned, it would or could theoretically give rise to vignetting, although this has never happened to me with the old hood. I have noticed it rotated, you know, in a rotated position in the past though, after walking around with the lens dangling by my side, and I, I do recall having to straighten it up in the past. The new hood is also a matte finish um, rather than the glossy plastic that the original hood had. Um, the inside of, of the hood has a felt-like material on it, and that's the same as the old one. Um, but the matte plastic on the outside will make handling of the hood better compared to the glossy old plastic uh, hood or the glossy plastic finish on the old hood which could be a little bit slippy to handle, especially in dry hands. Minor changes are that the new 70-200 is about 2mm longer than the original, 
and has some smoother curves in places and a lower profile switch panel. Externally, the other obvious change and another improvement is a larger focusing ring or a wider focusing ring. The new version's focusing ring is about 1.5 times, uh, times wider than the original, which means that you don't have to search for the ring to focus, uh, you know, to manually focus while shooting. This is another one of those things that didn't, I didn't realize was a problem until they fixed it. But I do seem to recall fumbling for this ring in the past. It's a long lens with a relatively narrow ring, the old one. And I manually tweak focus quite a lot, especially when shooting with uh, live view. And I found um, it was, you know, it was just there um, the, on the new version of the lens. It was just there for my hand when I reached for it. But I didn't notice that the ring was bigger until I lined up the two lenses side by side to photograph them to illustrate this, this podcast episode. Um, but it did just feel better. It was just there. Internally, the new version has uh, now has one fluorite and five uh, UD elements compared to four UD elements and no fluorite lenses in the old version. The 70-200 f4 lens uh, also has a fluorite element and has historically been much sharper than the 2.8 versions of this lens. Uh, even at f4, you know, I'm not talking about when it's wide open, but even when you stop the 2.8s down to f4, they were supposed to be, um, at, you know, not as sharp as the the length the, the 70 to 70 to 200 f4 versions. So the fluorite lens elements is a welcome addition to the 70 to 200 f 2.8 lenses, uh, or lens I should say for now, because we're only talking about an IS version. Um, of course. The other nice changes is an additional stop of image stabilization. The original lens had three stop IS and the new one is purported to have uh, four stops of IS. This, I guess, and the other changes mean that the already somewhat heavy 70-200 f2.8 lens at 1470 grams is now 20 grams heavier in this version 2 incarnation at, at uh, 1490 grams. Either lens will start to take its toll on your arms and shoulders if used handheld for any length of time, but once you're used to that, it's definitely a handholdable lens, especially with its now four stop image stabilization. One other improv improvement that I should note is that I'm very happy to see that this new version now has a shorter minimum focus distance, which means that you can get closer to your subject than you could before. Now, the specifications for this lens differ from the Japan site and the US uh, Canon website. On the Japan site and on the lens barrel itself, I should note, it says that the minimum focus distance for the old version is 140 centimeters. But on the US site, it says 130 centimeters. It actually says 1.3 meters, uh, which is 130 centimeters. Assuming that what it says on the lens itself is correct, the version 2 now has, uh, gives us 20 millimeters, uh, sorry, 20 centimeters more um, in, you know, uh, or I should say shorter minimal focus distance. Um, so it means that we can get 20 centimeters closer to our subject. 
And that's actually very important when shooting flowers, for example, or even portraits, say, when you want to really fill the frame with the subject's face. So I did a number of tests with charts, and I, I did a lot of um, real-world shooting as well, which we'll get into later. Um, first, let's take a look at how the lens fares under some relatively strict, but by no means scientific, tests. The first thing that I did, and I advise anyone to do this when you buy a new lens, is to download and print out a, a lens focus test chart and do some tests. I used Tim Jackson's focus test chart, but you can also buy something like one of the Lens Align Pro focus calibration products, which I think I'm going to pick up at some point soon. Autofocus accuracy can vary per copy, and although Canon's manufacturing and quality assurance standards are very high, occasionally a bad copy gets through. Um, I've never had one, but I have heard of this. Uh, you know, they can get through the production line, and you usually only have a week or two to check if yours is okay, and still be able to return it to the, the store that you bought it from. Um, because of this, I test all of my new lenses uh, for focusing problems as soon as I buy them. I've included a photo of the chart um, that I shot wide open at f2.8, the, you know, the particular image that I uh, have included. But it's really for your reference because the lens performed exactly as I'd expect. I've, I've been through using this chart before um, and doing these tests before. So I'm not going to give you a full rundown on that today for the sake of time. Uh, but basically, um, you know, with the autofocus, I was able to focus on, you know, you, well, let me just tell you briefly what you do. You know, you lay the chart down on a table and then you shoot it from a 45 degree angle and basically use the autofocus to focus on the black line across the middle. Um, it says like focus here on there. And so, you know, basically when I did that with autofocus, um, it was it was spot on. Um, even as I stopped down, um, I did the test basically um, at 70 millimeters, 115 millimeters, and 200 millimeters to you know to go through the the focal length range. And I worked my way through f2.8, and then just one click down to f3.2, um, f4, 5.6, f8, f11, f16, f22, and f32, and I, you know, I was while focused on the line, um, you know, from the very first click, I, I, I didn't refocus every time, um, but you know, it, the results were fine, so I'm not going to share all of the details there today. I did want to see how sharp the lens was, both as a standalone test to see if it lives up to my own expectations, and in comparison to the original 70-200 f2.8 lens. So, I also photographed an ISO 12233 resolution test chart that I downloaded from Cornell University's website. And I'll put a link to these charts in the show notes, by the way, if you want to try this yourself. The results were very favorable for the new version of the 72-200mm lens. I've created a few animated GIF files that 
you can see on my blog to illustrate the difference in the resolving power of these these two lenses. Um, in the enhanced podcast, I'll just put like a, a static representation, a JPEG file, um, just so that you can see what we're talking about, but you'll need to go to the blog to see the animation. The first animation shows a comparison of the center of the chart shot with both lenses wide open at f2.8 at 70 millimeters and then consecutively it goes on to 115 millimeters and 200 millimeters so there are six images in there we can see from this that the version 2 lens is just so much sharper than the old version at both extremes of its focal length and in the middle i start with the old version of the lens and then switch to the version 2 image um, for f2.8 at uh, 70 millimeters um, and then i just work through each focal length in the animation basically though you can just see the focus snap in as i switch to the version 2 image each time and this is very impressive to me Note that these animations are 100% crops of the original RAW files and I ran only the default sharpening that Lightroom applies to all RAW files unless you change the settings of course. Uh, I didn't, this is a, just what, this is standard processing, I've done no additional sharpening at all and both sets of images um, from both lenses are, have been treated exactly the same way. Um, so nothing else done to these images at all. The next animation shows the center of the chart shot at 115mm focal length and I rotate through all main apertures from f2.8 right down to the smallest aperture f32. Although lenses generally get pretty soft due to diffraction when you stop them down through f16 and smaller, I shot f 22 and f32 images as well so that I could see just how much diffraction affects this lens and again I was very pleased with the results. As we cycle through the apertures the first thing that you'll notice is that the lens is sharp wide open at f2.8. Um, it's the same image that we saw in the last animation um, but it's just you know it's just there it's sharp and you'll notice also that it doesn't really change from f2.8 through f11 the, so you know stopping down from f2.8 to f2, f4 doesn't really make it any sharper it's already tack sharp and you know once you get after f11 um, you do see a very slight amount of softness at f16 but even as you go through to uh, f22 it suffers very little from diffraction and that's rare and even then, you know, as you get down to f32, you can see it, but it's usable. And if you really needed the additional depth of field that this smallest aperture will provide, uh, if you can accept slightly softer images, um, that's it's definitely an option. Note too that f32, to my eye, um, the lens is still sharper than the original version of the lens at f2.8. So again. I'm very happy with these results. So far we've looked at the center of the chart which I shot obviously um, with the center of the lens and as you know most lenses are less sharp around the edges than they are in the center so 
I've also created an animation to show you the top right corner of both lenses at f2.8. We can see that the old version of this lens is a mess at the edges at f2.8. Note here though that the results are slightly skewed because I was, or maybe slightly skewed, because I was shooting up at the target by a centimeter or so. It's a, it's a tiny amount, um, but I think that it, you know, it, looking at this, looking at the results, I might have been shooting up a little bit. Uh, well, I know I measured it from the floor and I know that I was shooting up um, by about a centimeter. Didn't make a difference in the center, but may have had uh, made this look a little bit worse. But remember that I shot both sets of images under exactly the same conditions. So it still gives you an idea. The results do get slightly better as you stop down um, the lens, stop the lens down a, li a little bit, of course. But as I like to use my, my lenses wide open to capture scenes with like flowers, for example, and often over at the edges of the images, at the edge of the image, this is, you know, it, it has been a real pain for me that the, the old version was soft around the edges. Um, when used wide open. Because the chart, even printed out at 13 by 19 inches on, on 13 by 19 inch paper, didn't fill the frame um, at 70 millimeters, this animation only shows you the corners um, when shot at 115 millimeters and 200 millimeters. You can see here that even the version 2 is much softer in the top right corner when used wide open than it is in the center, but within acceptable limits in my opinion. And we can also see that it perform, performs better at uh, 200 millimeters than it does at 115 millimeters. These tests are all well and good, but I know that you also want to see how the lens fares in the field. Again, I like to shoot the lens wide open and as that's usually the weakest aperture for most lenses, especially zoom lenses, I shot many of these, these examples wide open at f2.8. The first photo of a field of oilseed rape flowers were, um, has the main subject along the right third with the flower head close to the top of the frame. I'm only going to include the 7200mm f2.8 version 2 image here as at the web size you really can't see the difference between this and the version 1 image but here also are two 100% crops. The first one is with the version 1 lens and then the second is with the version 2 lens. You can see that the version 2 lens has produced a much sharper image even though the subject that I cropped out here is close to the edge of the lens, albeit not the very corner. Note that if you want to get a very quick comparison um, when you're looking at these images um, without scrolling, you can actually um, go to the bottom of the blog post as well and click on the thumbnails at the bottom of the post and then navigate back and forth by clicking the right and left hand button. Um, but you, can, you don't really have to do that. It, you can see the difference as you scroll down on the blog as well. I should also note too that the original lens, although certainly softer, has produced very nice, a nice image. It's, it's a softness that, you know, I, I particularly don't like images that soft. 
but it's still a beautiful image. And if if that's you know if you're happy with that amount of sharpness or that lack of sharpness, um, it's yeah. You know, and we're only really talking here if you're using high resolution camera bodies. Uh, if you're happy with that, then you certainly don't. You won't need to run out and buy this updated version. Um, but you know we'll we'll get to that again a little bit later. Let's continue to look at some examples before uh, you fully make up your mind. I know that many people also use this lens as a portrait lens, as I will. So I paid a visit to my friendly barber again and asked him to pose for a few shots, again using both lenses for comparison. And here um, I've included again the two 100% crops of the image um, from both the old and the new version of this lens for comparison. So again, although the old version has produced a nice image, even wide open, the new version is sharper. I should also note here that if you think I'm being cruel by showing you a 100% crop of my barber's wrinkles, note that this guy's over 60 years old, and my eyes are more wrinkled than that, and I'm 20 years younger than him. Next, I made a trip to a local temple called Daienji and tried out the new four-stop image stabilization. I have to say that I was not totally impressed with this. Not unimpressed with the IS in general, um, but I did not get great results um, as often as I'd hoped. I did get some usable shots though, and have in fact uploaded these last few images that we'll look at to my online gallery. So you can jump to them with their number that I'll call out as I usually do as we look at these last few real world examples. First up is image number 2517 of some Jizor statues at the temple. And I shot this uh, wide open at f2.8 and focused on the nearest eye as I would a portrait shot. I noticed the lens searched quite a lot as well here. It was very dark. Uh, the sun had already, not very dark, it wasn't night time, but it was very close to it. The sun had already gone, um, it was very low in the sky, and you know almost at the horizon, but it was behind tall buildings. And the temple grounds are walled in too. So there was very little available light. I found though that the lens searched less um, when I zoomed in and I got rid of some of the lighter patches in the background. I didn't feel, uh, it, it didn't feel great, um, but this only happened with this subject. So I'm not going to panic about this just yet. Um, I'll, I'll update you later if I do see more of this sort of searching. Um, let's also bear in mind that this exposure required uh, 130th of a second at ISO 200. So you can appreciate that there was not a lot of light. In the next image, number 2519, I was shooting at 125mm, which means that if you use the rule of thumb of using the focal length as the minimum shutter speed, i.e. 125th of a second, we can calculate that four stops below that is a sixth of a second with ISO 100. Here I was testing that the new four stop image stabilization was as good as I'd hoped. 
I was kneeling in a position similar to my, uh, my MVP kneeling man logo, but cranked over to one side a little to avoid an obstacle, obstacle. so it wasn't the most stable pose, uh, posture to shoot from. But I, I ended up shooting around 20 frames of this subject, and I only got three that were sharp. The others were, they ranged from slightly soft, probably acceptable, but slightly soft to totally blurry. I'd focused between the eye and the nose to give me some sort of definition in the shape of the nose and get the inside of the eye sharp, kind of juggling priorities here um, to still get an overall well-focused image but without increasing my depth of field. I, I use all sort of tricks to, to keep my lenses wide open. I actually uploaded six images um, shot with the new uh, version 270-200mm at this temple to Flickr and to my website, but I'm going to skip them here for the sake of time. I will put a link in the show notes though, it's, so if you're interested in looking at the other images that I made on, uh, you know, during my tests with this lens, uh, then go over to my online gallery and um, you know, take a look if you're interested. As I was walking out um, of the Showa Memorial Park on Saturday afternoon, the first day out with this lens, the sun was low in the sky and there were lots of people still on the boating lake. Um, and you know, it was literally 15 minutes or so till they closed the, the park, but the people were still out on the lake. And I shot one last image that I'd like to leave you with today, and that is image number 2516. I shot this with an aperture of f11 and a shutter speed of 1 6400th of a second because the sun was very bright reflecting off the water. I didn't mind this and didn't particularly need a shallow depth of field here and I didn't really want to take the time to fit an ND filter as there were you know, a lot of people on the lake and the chance, chances like this with just one boat in the frame were not going to come along so often. I really like this image though, uh, with the well-defined silhouette figures of the young couple enjoying the late afternoon row on the lake. There's even a little bonus duck paddling along the top of the frame. I just wanted to share with you um, this you know, last example of the quality of this lens though, especially as I haven't shown you any real-world examples with the lens stopped down below f2.8 yet. And here's a 100% crop of the young woman and the half of the guy in the boat. I'm sure you'll agree that the sharpness of these silhouettes is incredible. Also, the way the lens handled the specular highlights is pretty impressive too. There's nowhere that these highlights are overly bleeding into the silhouette of the couple. The, at least when I, I zoom in to look at this one, I had one of those hair standing up on the back of my neck moments. So there you have my initial thoughts about the EF 70-200 f2.8L IS-2 USM lens from Canon. If you, are, if you currently own a version 1 lens and are using it with a high resolution camera like the 5D Mark II or the 1DS Mark III, and if you're happy with your results, then you have nothing to worry about. 
I personally think, though, that the upgrade is worth it to get images this sharp wide open. Even stop down, the version 1 is not as sharp as the new version because it's simply out-resolved by the 21 megapixel sensors. As I say though, if you're happy with your current results, don't sweat it. I though am very pleased that I now have my workhorse 70-200mm f2.8 lens back. Wild horses couldn't have kept me from digging deep for this one. And now that I've tested it out, I'm very pleased that I took the plunge. Remember that all of the images that I mentioned today are on my blog at blog.martinbaileyphotography.com and I'll put a link to the exact post in the show notes for those of you that are catching up with the episode later. Thanks for listening today and remember that you can find me on Flickr and Facebook as well as Twitter and of course my blog and the photography forum. All of the links are at the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com so drop by and check that out. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast but in the meantime you just have a great week whatever you're doing. Bye bye. Hi, this is Jeff Curto, and I hope you'll tune in to Camera Position, my podcast about the creative side of photography. As a 30-year professional photographer, I have long believed that the why of photography is a lot harder than the how. What do we do with it? How do we express ourselves? How do we continue to pursue our passion in photography? And that's what Camera Position is all about. Find me at cameraposition.com or on the Photocast Network. Thanks. This is Dave Warner, and I'm the host of the LensFlare35.com podcast. Each week I bring you interviews with some of the top photographers using digital SLR cameras. They share some of their coolest tips and tricks, techniques and news about what they're up to. So please take a moment to visit the website or subscribe to LensFlare35 on iTunes. The Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is a proud member of the Photocast Network. Find this and other great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com.